0: Um, it is a pleasure to be here, and um, it is a pleasure to be talking after after Miriam, because uh, what I want to do in my paper is uh, sort of take some of the issues uh, she has been talking about uh, in a corner of Africa that hasn't received a lot of attention recently, which is Eastern Africa and Ethiopia in particular. And as others have done uh, with the case of Somaliland and Northern India, some sort of uh, bringing to, I would like to say to the global attention, but at least to your attention, some cases that deserve a little bit more of analysis. So I will try to work on two different levels. The first one is looking, as others have been doing, at how technology is an important component in the struggle between the state and forces that oppose the state. It might sound a little bit strange for a country that has been known for its poverty, like Ethiopia, to have been a pioneer in certain uses of technology. Ken Banks before mentioned how governments are shutting SMS services in the aftermath of election. Well, Ethiopia was the first country to do that in 2005. And it didn't do it for just a few days to face an emergency. It did it for a whole two years period. Ethiopia has been one of the first countries, and I would like to talk about it more if there is an interest, in starting looking at China as an alternative model to shape its internet space. And the second thing that I would like to focus on is how, in a way, the Ethiopian government, since this is a conference about peace building, hijacked the idea of peace-building and it turned it uh, not into a kind of uh, attempt uh, to find consensus among different voices, uh, but more into a kind of an hegemonic struggle to occupy all the political spaces. Uh, so if any kind of uh, dissent uh, has to be articulated, uh, it's much more difficult to mobilize a mass of individual uh, that could support these alternative voices. Uh, and, um, and I will conclude with a question, which is, uh, when you bring peace uh, at this extent, with the trade-off, uh, it's so high, uh, is it worth it? Uh, is it peace-building or it's something else? Uh, how do we approach it as practitioner, as academics, as politicians? So um, I will start by showing you um, the... the, the what triggered my interest in Ethiopia. And uh, uh, similarly to Ken Banks, I, had, uh, I started working in Africa in corners where internet was not very much present. I, was start, I started uh, uh, installing telecenters, and my idea of technology was uh, of new technology, of digital technology, mobile phones and the internet, was very much empowering individuals on the ground, uh, bringing to individuals and groups the power to solve their problems in their own way, finding their own resources. But then I went to Ethiopia, working for UNESCO, and what I found was this and this. Well, you would say it's just plasma plasmative streams of course but uh, this is just the most visible part of a very complex and very unique uh, technological some would call it assemblage that was put together not with donor money just with uh, the money of the ethiopian treasury is a project that costs something some people would say 300 million dollars some others would say 400 million dollars and it it uses very modern technology but for doing something that we would not expect the modern technology uh, should be used for and uh, these uh, the first uh, the first um, um, the first example, this first project is called Wareda. Woreda are the district administration in Ethiopia. And what it does is using internet protocol and satellite communication, it connects the center of the state, the very office of the prime minister, all the server for uh, making this system works. are basically in the office of the Prime Minister, of, uh, of Mr. Mela and connecting him and the Minister of the State uh, with the peripheries of the state uh, is used mostly for video conferencing, for having the state uh, 24 hours a day, in theory, communicating from the centre to the periphery. And I will try to explain why this is important, what is why it matters. The second one is uh, SchoolNet, a very similar system, but um, you have not not a video conference, and more broadcast uh, working in the schools. In 800 schools in Ethiopia, there are this kind of plasma streams. Uh, it means there are 17,000 plasma history in Ethiopia. And they are used for different things. You will see this is most probably physics. And, uh, but also civic and ethical education is taught through the system. Also history is taught through the system. So the problem that you have is, uh, you have the teacher, which is, uh, quite an important, it's not very high-tech, but still is a way to resolve problems that you have at the local level, probably to reinterpret the rhetoric that came up from the state. The teacher is sidelined for having technology at the centre, and the the content that is broadcasted is from the very centre of the state. So um, I started asking questions around, and uh, I started, I did my PhD in this particular case, and what's uh, the answer that were coming from officials in the governments were: well, this is to bring peace, this is to bring development, that this is to bring modernization in our country. And of course, this is what you would expect as uh, you know someone doing research, a foreigner coming to to a country like Ethiopia. But then, when you start doing uh, uh, looking deeply into the ideology of what peace is, of what uh, development is for the Ethiopian government, uh, you would find is not just uh, um, you know responding, giving you the answer you would like to hear, but there is the ideological reframing of what development is, of what peace is. And uh, I have to step back uh, and give a little bit of history. I, I hope, uh, if I get too long, please uh, uh, cut, cut my time. So um, very basically, Ethiopia had a 20-year civil war. It had a number of wars, but uh, that's what it matters here, and between the 1970s and the 1990s. Uh, the most... Uh, um, important, that the key actor in this war was uh, uh, the TPLF, the Tigrayan People Liberation Front, uh, fighting in the north uh, and the Eritrean People Liberation Front, uh, and uh, finally, in, uh, in 1991, um, gaining the control of the state. The problem is the Tigrayans in Ethiopia are only 6% of the population, so the risk was uh, that uh, this could be interpreted has a minority of the state uh, gaining control of the whole state. So one of the things that was done was creating, not from the scratch, that it had been done for a long time, a different kind of ideology. Ethiopia is not a unitary state, uh, but is a federation of ethnicity. Different ethnic groups uh, have the right to be represented uh, within the state. The problem is uh, the, the Green People Liberation Front uh, and the Tigrians uh, as, uh, as an ethnic group, uh, sort of both, uh, and, and others, uh, both these principles, had never thought of themselves as ethnically diverse. Yes, of course they thought of the as ethnically diverse, but not these as a point to be politically represented. So what needed to be done, and technology, I will show you, played uh, of a role in this, uh, was uh, creating a different ideology of the state and sort of uh, selling it to the people on the ground. And, um, um what I'm showing you here is uh, uh, two quotes, uh, two experts from uh, the very same uh, newspaper, is the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian Herald, which is the English paper, state-owned newspaper, just before the EPRDF, the TPLF, the, the, the new government came into power, and just after. You don't have to read them. I'm wary of time. What I underline is uh, a few months before they took power, the rhetoric was unity, unity, unity. Ethiopia is a unitary state. Just a few months after, and uh, unity is turned into, in the Ethiopian ideology, it is its opposite. We are all different national nationalities, we are all diverse, uh, we have to... And uh, what is important here in relation with peace building is that um, um, there was no attempt to negotiate uh, this new discourse with the elites. Uh, they weren't considered uh, a relevant player, so there was no attempt, just some little attempt, but no real attempt uh, to reconcile the state and say, well, we're going to sideline uh, these particular actors uh, and we're going to talk to the people on the ground. So, a very populist idea of, uh, of peace building. Uh, and uh, I don't want to get into, into the details, because it's, uh, I wrote a the whole thesis on that and 10 minutes, uh, are not enough to go into, into the details, but, uh, but uh, um, um, what's, what the Ethiopian state, uh, what the Ethiopian government did was getting into this complex process of institution building. So if it's not in the mind of the people, we have to create institutions that create this new, uh, this new system on the ground. And, and here he's uh, um, where, technology, in a way, come to play a role. So just to summarize, the idea was uh, the state is, is diverse, we are all different, so you're supporting an ideology that uh, undermines the state as a unitary entity. So there is a risk that uh, all these states fall outside of the orbit of the state. And this paradox is, is, uh, is, uh, is captured very well by Baro which is, uh, who is probably the most, most well-known of historians. Say, this is a paradox the current government created. It is a minority government, and it needs to justify with an ideology like ethnic federalism it's staying in power. They need to decentralize to support their ideology, but also to exert a central control to make sure that they can stay in power. So, when you look at a technology like WaredaNet, in a way, the one I showed you before, and is here, and SchoolNet, this is exactly what they do. In a way, you empower, you give technology to every corner of the state, and you also use it for uh, uh, training. People who have little education, they didn't go through formal training to be a civil servant and so forth, but who do you have to do that? You have the prime minister, you have the minister of information, you have all the very representative of the political power that are talking to the periphery with their charisma, with the power that come with them, and, uh, and they empower while disempowering. empowering. They use technology in a way, this very interesting mix uh, that I've never seen anywhere else. If some of you have seen something like that, they would be very happy to hear about it. Uh, but uh, this is one of an examples where technology comes to play a role that, that we wouldn't expect is profoundly reshaped and, uh, and, uh, and uh, in a significant way. Uh, the final one, uh, and then uh, I don't know how many minutes I've left, but I'm towards the conclusion. And uh, it's, um, it's uh, again, in the case of Schoolnet, uh, the way it's framed in the ideology of the, of, uh, the Ethiopian leaders is it sees a way to bring equality to all people of Ethiopia. For the first time in history, someone living in the very rural areas uh, have the right to have the access to the same quality of education of a person living in the capital. So we are making all people equal. The problem is uh, that uh, you are equalizing people, uh, uh, transmitting content that can be questionable from an educator point of view. I don't know how good is physics taught through a plasma TV screen, but then you also have history and civic education, and where you are teaching to the people on the ground, bypassing the, the teacher. What are the principles of the state? And, uh, and some of them can be highly questionable. And I will quote uh, and um, the, the, the words of uh, the former Minister of information, an extremely powerful individual in Ethiopia, and you can see how happy he is uh, the, uh, of the fact that Schoolnet is in place and is doing what he would like uh, it to do. He say, in our education, our cornerstone, our math, science and civic and ethical education, so we can have a homegrown democracy, a country in order, now we will have a new generation that has been trained in the principle of democracy in secondary education and they will know how to contribute to the development of the country. I can't make any connection between two things, I didn't do any research, so this is just anecdotal and I'm just quoting facts. In the local election of Ethiopia in 2008, four million people ran uh, uh, at the election as candidates in uh, the EPRDF, in, in, the, in, um, in the, gov- uh, party, the government party. And a lot of these individuals were people just out from secondary school. So again, I'm not making any assumption. I'm just quoting numbers. I didn't do any research into that, uh, but these can tell us something about uh, about uh, um, how effective this technology might be. And then I conclude with uh, with uh, with a few slides that I don't have, and uh, just saying that in order to and with a black slide. And uh, uh, so. Um, to wrap up, uh, the, the problem is: if you look at Ethiopia today, is uh, is a country that the level of elites is very not pacified. Uh, there is a lot of tension. There has never been real reconciliation. The problem is: if you go to the ground, if you go to the people, and. Uh, there is very little availability of people to mobilise in order to, to defend a different idea of the state. So, in a way, that after 1999, if you look at peace building, the media were used for bringing peace to Ethiopia, but in a way that, according to me, is very questionable, and we should look more at cases like Ethiopia, and probably rather are adding to work. Thank you very much.